It's time for Vax Talk. Let's talk VPDs. We're shaping the conversation about vaccines. To learn more, visit VaxTalk.org. Hello, and welcome to Vax Talk. This is a podcast for people who can answer almost any question about vaccines. And all kinds of other people. Like, you don't have to be able to do that to listen to our podcast. I thought there was a test in order to listen to the podcast that yeah. you had to pass. We'll, we'll be sure to email that out to all the uh, all the followers. My name is Karen Ernst. I am the executive director of Voices for Vaccines. And I'm Nathan Boonstra, general pediatrician here at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa. We are lucky to be joined by one of our favorite nurses in the whole wide world, Miss Melody Butler from Nurses Who Vaccinate. Hello, Miss Melody. Hello, Miss Karen, and hi, Dr. Nathan. How are you? Hello. Well, how are you? I'm good. As everybody knows, it's National Immunization Awareness Month, and we're having Game Show Month, which is all, all fun. But before we do all the fun stuff, I just want to make a quick mention of something very, very serious, and that's that our friends at Vaccinate Your Family had a pretty catastrophic loss over the weekend. Rich Greenway from vaccinate your family uh, died suddenly and it's been a real loss to the whole vaccine advocacy community you know I think a lot of people imagine that all of these vaccine advocacy organizations like nurses who vaccinate vaccinate your family voices for vaccines that were these giant big organizations of evil people twirling our mustaches but the truth of the matter is that we are all very small organizations and we're actually all pretty tight-knit and we rely on each other, and we appreciate each other, and um, our heart breaks for Vaccinate Your Family. So I just wanted to mention that because Rich was an incredibly important person for decades. And I, I second that. My deepest sympathies to the whole family over there. Yeah, I, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but uh, I feel for the everyone who knew him and the organization. So our sympathies. So there's no good way to transition away from that other than I think Rich would have enjoyed a good game of trivia. And so we are going to have a trivia battle. Nathan versus Melody. Midwest versus Long Island. (laughs) Hospital versus hospital. Mm -hmm. To see who comes out on top. And I'm really excited to do this. Melody, Nathan claims that he is some kind of trivia champion. Well, I just lost on uh, HQ Trivia Awards Disney theme, and I'm really upset with myself right now. So I'm looking to redeem my reputation. I should have mentioned that Nathan said that he's a Star Wars trivia champion. Yeah, that's really where my expertise lies. So we'll see how I do on this. I mean, let's hope you have some expertise in vaccines. But as long as I don't have to identify Padme from Sabe. Should be okay. Uh, There will be no Star Wars trivia, I promise. Okay. Dang it. Here's how this works. I have 16 questions. That's eight apiece. Okay. Each of you is going to get your own questions that you alone will answer. So you're not going to get to rely on what someone else said to inform your own guesses. And I will tally up who got the most correct. You'll get all the time you want, but there's no cheating. There's no Googling. There's no pretending to write your notes, but actually you're Googling something. I promise. There's no calling for your husband across the house and asking him to Google. There's no phone a friend. There's none of that. This is all honesty. 
and at the end, whoever has the most gets, Nathan, a lapel pin. A lapel pin! Yes! <laughs> I, I'm excited. Outstanding. We're just like the Sunday puzzle, the NPR Sunday puzzle. Fantastic. <laughs> Only with vaccines. Okay, Melody, <laughs> you get to choose. Do you want evens or odds? Odds. I always thought you were a little odd. You were right. I can't even. That means we're starting with Melody. Melody, question number one. Which vaccine-preventable disease is sometimes referred to as the black vomit? Is it A, rotavirus, B, anthrax, C, shingles, or D, yellow fever? Ooh. All right. Um... So my oldest had the rotavirus because he was born before the vaccine was available. I do not remember black vomit being a part of that. Um, Just very stinky diarrhea. Yeah, yeah st- uh, stinky, sticky, and consistent. So I don't think it's that one. You said you said anthrax is a B. B is anthrax. C is shingles, and D is yellow fever. All right. Yeah, I have known several patients who had shingles. Black um, vomit was not part of the uh, signs and symptoms, and yellow fever. It just that doesn't doesn't sound like it would go. I'm gonna go with black vomit. Sounds scary, and anthrax is pretty scary. I'm gonna go with the B. Okay, Melody says B. You want to stay with that? I think. <laughs> The answer is actually yellow fever. Did you know that, Nathan? I did not. I actually would have guessed anthrax as well. Yep. Yellow fever can lead to internal bleeding and bloody black vomit, which sounds okay. horrifying. Uh, and I'm glad that that is not a disease that is common in the United States. Yeah, worth pointing out, this is not a routine vaccine for children, anthrax. Or even adults. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a travel vaccine, but only to, like, really specific locations, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I have not read a whole ton about it. Yeah. But I believe it's used in the military as well for certain situations. Probably. Okay, Nathan, your first question. Okay. John mm-hmm. Roebling, the chief engineer of the Brooklyn Bridge, died from which vaccine-preventable disease? Is it a tetanus, B hepatitis A, C polio, or D influenza. Oh, I have zero uh, context on this. I do not know this story. So, um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go. I, I feel like playing the. Uh, that the the good odds are on influenza, but the the options were which polio, hep A, and what else? In the Te- influ- tetanus. Tetanus. I'm just gonna go with flu. I feel like that's the better odds. Is that your final answer? It is. I feel like Melody knows. I do. She probably does. I what's, do. What's the correct answer, Melody? Well, being that I was born in Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, it, it would be tetanus. It is tetanus. John Roebling was the German-born American civil engineer who was known for desiring wire rope suspension bridges and the Brooklyn Bridge in particular. While surveying the bridge, the progress of the bridge, Roebling's foot was crushed by a docking boat. 
He was diagnosed with tetanus soon after, often experiencing severe seizures and lapsing into comas. John Roebling died on July 22nd, 1869 from tetanus. How horrifying is that? How old was he? Does it say how old he was? Uh, no, no. That, that is not something that is on here. Mm. That so, was, it was, that's always been pretty, very scary, especially for any of my construction friends. It's always definitely something to, you know, one of those random facts that always felt very important to share at, like, you know, the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. And the interesting thing about this, so what we'll hear from the anti-vaxxers a lot, and it's actually crept into common knowledge, even though it's not true, is that in order for you, in order to get tetanus, it has to be a puncture wound. And if it bleeds, you can't get tetanus. So I'm, you know, having your foot crushed is not a puncture wound, and I'm guessing it bled quite a bit. And he still yeah. got tetanus. There's many, many layers of problems with why that doesn't make sense when you break it down about wound bleeding and stuff. Because they mm-hmm. think that oxygenating it, uh, being an anaerobic bacteria, that that will kill it. But, you know, it's it's living up there in dead tissue already that's not well oxygenated. And it's one of the most dangerous pieces of misinformation I hear. Like, people will say that. And I'm like, you will kill somebody telling them not to go in and get their wound looked at and get their tetanus shot and stuff by telling them this home remedy that will not prevent tetanus. Well, we've seen kids getting tetanus. Yeah. Um, when it's really nobody should be getting tetanus anymore. All right, Miss Oddball, your next question, Miss Melody. I think you're going to get this one. Which three presidents have had children who died from diphtheria? <sighs> Is it, I'm going to give you choices, don't worry. Is it <laughs> A... Clinton, Bush, and Roosevelt, B, Reagan, Kennedy, and Obama, C, Lincoln, Garfield, and Cleveland, or D, Truman, Hoover, and Carter. Do you want me to read those choices again? I think it's C. And you are correct. Oh, thank goodness. Abraham Lincoln, Grover Cleveland, and James Garfield, all who had children who became sick with diphtheria and died from the disease. And of course, there was no vaccine for diphtheria uh, when any of them were alive. Nathan. Mm, Against the wall now. Yeah. Yep. We're one to zero. Melody's in the lead for that lapel pin. Oh, man. (laughs) I know you want it. I should mention, too, that these lapel pins are real, that the good folks at Descent Pins made pins for us that are little syringes that say, thanks, vaccines, and they're giving us 50% of the profits. Um, I guess they're on back order right now, so you should definitely get your order in. Or win this contest. Yeah, if you guys win, (laughs) you you don't have to worry about it. I'll just send you one of mine. Yeah, so I got to win. Let's go. All right. Which president contracted smallpox a short time before delivering a famous speech? Was it A, George Washington, B, Abraham Lincoln, C, Grover Cleveland, or D, Thomas Jefferson? I believe it was uh, Washington. Aw. No, it was Abraham Lincoln. Dang. He got ill with smallpox a few days before delivering the Gettysburg Address. Oh, well. Current research suggests that the severity of Lincoln's illness was downplayed by his doctor to prevent the public yeah. from worrying that their president was dying. Um, probably explains why the speech was so short. Maybe. 
and sort of ironic because, you know, obviously he didn't last too much longer after that. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Nope. I was thinking all about the whole story about variolation and the mm-hmm. revolutionary army and such. So that threw me, I, but I didn't hear, I didn't know that story about Lincoln. That's, that's, I, I'm learning a lot today. This is great. I know. I would have guessed the same. I can see that. But I think it's really interesting that it was right before the Gettysburg Address because people always talk about how short that speech was. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, I, I kind of sm- sounds like I'm being a s- smart aleck, but I really think that that being sick, it's hard to speak when you're ill. And that probably has a lot to do with <laughs> the speech being so short. All right, Melody, I'm taking you across the pond. You ready? Mm-hmm. Queen Mary II of England died in 1694 from which vaccine preventable disease was it a measles b polio c chickenpox or d smallpox huh um i'm thinking it's either measles or smallpox let me think 16 what 1694 I'm going to go with measles. So close, Melody. Uh, Mary was born mm. in 1662 and was the daughter of King James II in England. In 1689, Mary became the Queen of England, Ireland, and Scotland, and then she succumbed to smallpox Mm. in 1694. (sighs) Oh, well. A lot of history here. I know. (laughs) You guys didn't think I was going to start on easy things. Like, what does the the TDAP stand for? Right. (laughs) No way. All right, Melody's still in the lead, Nathan. Uh, I I know. I realize that. (laughs) I'm just trying to gin up some controversy. All right, Nathan, which U.S. president survived infection? Gosh darn presidents, what? I'm sorry. Mine. I meant which Star Wars character? No. <laughs> which U.S. president survived infections with smallpox, diphtheria, and malaria? Was it A, Andrew Jackson, B, George Washington, C, Ulysses S. Grant, or D, John Adams? All right, read the diseases again. Mal- malaria, smallpox, and what else? Diphtheria. Mm. I'm just going to go with Washington again. <gasps> You're right. Yay. <laughs> so Was- he did get smallpox at some point. He did. That was good to know. Washington witnessed many epidemics, including the yellow fever epidemic in 1793. In his teenage years, Washington was often sick and fell ill with diphtheria, malaria, and smallpox at ages 15, 17, and 19, respectively. Great. I confidently knew that. Knew that all along. (laughs) Gosh, that's just crazy. I mean, can you imagine being that sick with those awful diseases before you even turn 20? No. Yeah, it's almost like Sherry Tenpenny right there. (laughs) (laughs) Only instead of like going on to sell Wu, he went on to, you know, lead a successful revolutionary army and becoming the first president. So And he didn't have to repeat a grade, right? He just kept going. Right. And you can read all about the story uh, about uh, variolation and uh, George Washington deciding to basically the 
early the early version of, of immunizing his army uh, on my blog at pedsgeekmd.com. <laughs> all right. And all, all about right. Alexander Hamilton's role in it. That's He did have a role. It's all very important. Definitely go there. Melody. It's not helping me out a lot on this quiz, though. Melody, you're next. All right. In the what er- president? <laughs> <laughs> Obama. <laughs> That's right. No. In the er, in the early 2000s, what two illnesses caused the most deaths of children worldwide? Oh. Okay. Did you get that huh. in the early 2000s which two? So here are your choices. Yeah. A, meningococcal disease and smallpox. B, chickenpox and measles. C, pneumonia and severe diarrhea or D, influenza and diphtheria. <sighs> What are the second? Uh, what are the second and third choices again? Uh, B is uh, chickenpox and measles, and C is pneumonia and severe diarrhea. I'm gonna go with pneumonia and severe diarrhea. She is correct. I agree. Oh, Can you say, yes. Say diarrhea again for me. No. <laughs> this is one of those games my husband plays with me when I say things <laughs> wrong. I know this game. I'm not doing it. <laughs> In the early 2000s, pneumonia and severe diarrhea caused the deaths of 3 million children per year. These numbers are continuing to decrease as vaccines for pneumococcus and rotavirus become more widely available. So good news. All right, Nathan, this one's super easy. You're going to get this. I don't like it when you set it up that way. (laughs) Any fool. My grandmother could get this one. (laughs) Some diseases are only found in humans. However, influenza can affect, I'm sorry, influenza can infect many types of animals. Which animals can also get influenza? Is it A, horses, dogs, cats, and sea mammals? B, bears and deer? C, lemurs, lions, and tigers? Or D, elephants, zebras, buffalo, and meerkats? Uh, give me the first two again. A is horses, dogs, cats, and sea mammals. And B is bears and deer. Yeah, I'll go with A. He got it. That is correct. Besides infecting humans, influenza virus can infect birds, aquatic birds, pigs, horses, dogs, cats, and sea mammals. Occasionally, an animal, such as a pig, will be infected with multiple strains that combine to form a new strain that can infect humans. This can lead to a pandemic. Is that how you get spider ham? Spider ham. (laughs) That's right. We have to be bitten by a radioactive uh, swine flu virus. (laughs) All right, Melody, you're up. Which disease is known to be more commonly spread from adults to children? Is it A, chickenpox, B, whooping cough, C, measles, or D, rubella? Can you say the question again? Which disease is known to be more commonly spread from adults to children? Um, it should be E, sarcasm. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with whooping cough. That is correct. Typically, children spread infections to adults. 
However, pertussis, or whooping cough, is more commonly spread from adults to children. For this reason, adults who are going to be around young infants are recommended to get one dose of Tdap vaccine. Protecting babies by immunizing those around them is known as cocooning. And actually, I'm reading this and I'm realizing that it's a little bit out of date, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. So as an adult, you should get one dose of Tdap at some point. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a formal recommendation to always get one if you're going to be around like a newborn baby or something like that. Um, the most important way to protect babies against whooping cough is for pregnant moms to be immunized with the Tdap. Because, of course, the um, the antibodies are spread from mom to baby through the placenta. Something I always thought about, because you know we have to get a tetanus every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Is there a harm in always getting the Tdap in every 10 years, kind of keeping everything up to date? My impression of the answer is that there's just not data to support it in terms of how long, you know, is that a cost-effective way to do it? And that's why they, the, the actual recommendations are if you've had a Tdap, your other ones, your boosters every 10 years are, can be just DTs. Is there harm in it? Not necessarily. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. But there's not data to support efficacy and certainly not to support cost efficacy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. All right. Who do you think received the most immunological components in their childhood vaccines? Mm-hmm. Children born in 1942. B, children born in 1982. C, children born in 2000. Or D, children born in 2010. Okie doke. So I'm ruling out 2000, 2010 because mm-hmm. we went, I've already gone from uh DTP to to DTAP by then and so that lowered the antigenic load a lot I'm trying to remember when we so I know the last case of smallpox was in 1977 so I'm presuming well and and being born in that year and not getting smallpox vaccine myself we wouldn't have had it at the time so I'm going to go with 1942 that's correct Children 1942 received four vaccines that contained more than 3,000 immunological components. Conversely, children today receive 14 vaccines that contain fewer than 150 immunological components. I think that the Facebook page, Refutations to Anti-Vaccine Memes, has a really good graphic that uh, shows us. And if I recall, like smallpox vaccine had like, I want to say 2,000-ish itself like antigens and then you know however many hundreds are in the old dtp so it's a huge reduction okay who's my oddball that's melody it's me all right you can get this one melody all right problems with which vaccine led to the so-called cutter incident is it problems with the a polio vaccine b haemophilus influenza type b vaccine C, measles vaccine, or D, rotavirus vaccine? I think I was really sure, and now I'm down on myself, but I'm going to say it's polio. It is polio. Okay. The Cutter incident occurred in 1955 when Cutter Laboratories in Berkeley, California, produced a polio vaccine that contained a live polio virus. More than 120,000 people received the vaccine, and as a result, 40,000 of them were temporarily paralyzed, and 200 were permanently paralyzed, with 10 dying, which is awful. Yes, and it's also a really good example of how fast um, 
everyone worked to solve that problem and to get rid of that particular vaccine. We don't want to keep around any vaccines that can harm people and if we know are dangerous and not worth not worth the risk in taking them. So I think that's a great example to share sometimes mm-hmm. with people who are sometimes very doubtful. And it also really helped shape our modern vaccine program as far as safety and monitoring that, you know, we all take that extremely seriously because we know even a small mistake such as that at the Cutter Laboratories can have huge consequences. All right, Nathan. Yep. In what city did people first organize to voice their concern and opposition about vaccines? A is Paris, France. B is Venice, Italy. C is London, England. And D is Sydney, Australia. So I think it's London. That was my that was what I would have guessed if I hadn't gotten the mm-hmm. option, so I'll go with it. You are correct. The anti vaccination league began in London, England in eighteen fifty three and was the first organization for people to voice their concerns about vaccine safety. So I do not remember I don't know who the artist is, but you often see the painting that depicted the people who thought that, uh, I believe, a smallpox vaccination or whatever the equivalent was at the time. And and you can see in the painting, like, how they thought that cows would grow out mm-hmm. of your arm, et cetera. So that was the – and I, I didn't – I don't remember who the author was, but I felt like that was I, – I could be totally wrong. Maybe that wasn't London or British, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, it was sort of the, the nature in any case of the concerns was that – by getting a vaccine with the cowpox virus in it, people mm-hmm. were going to turn into cows. Yes. Which I always point off out, it seems ridiculous to us, but it really isn't much different in nature in believing that a vaccine will transform a person's brain and make them autistic. So, mm. okay. Melody, which antibiotic is commonly used in vaccines? Is it A, penicillin, B, streptomycin, C, amoxicillin, or D, gentamicin? I might be mispronouncing that one. No, you said it correct. It's going to be B. Yes, that's right. Streptomycin as well as neomycin and, oh gosh, amphetomycin. No, amphetomycin. Oh gosh. I swear they need things just to make things difficult for you. Anyhow, yes. I don't even know what that one is. I, I don't mean either. And I'm an yeah. infection Frenchness. I've never heard that one. Yeah, that's not it's one not. I've ever prescribed. Well, in any case, they're added during the manufacture of vaccines to prevent contamination with bacteria, which is good news. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just want to mention that all of the previous questions come from our friends at the Vaccine Education Center at Children's Hospital Sweet. of Philadelphia. It's part of their Just the Vax trivia game. And um, there are many more questions, and I am going to put a link to that in the show notes that people can go there themselves and take the entire quiz. It's a lot of fun. But the last two were written by Miss Karen. So here we go. These are the last, we each get one. These are the last two of the whole game. Yep. So, oh boy. These, yep, you each get one Karen written question. And they're real questions, too. I'm not being goofy here. All right. Which prominent U.S. colonist lost... Who, sorry, who's, who is it? Who's is it? This is mine, right? This is Nathan's, is this... yes. Okay, just to make sure. All right. Which prominent U.S. colonist lost three children and a wife to measles in 1713? Was it A, Paul Revere, B, Cotton Mather, 
C, Benjamin Franklin, or D, Samuel Adams? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to rule out Ben Franklin because he, I just know he lost a child to smallpox, but I don't think he lost, I don't recall hearing about that. Tell me the other ones. Paul Revere, John Adams. And Cotton Mather. Oh, boy. Um, in 1713, I don't think it's Adams because I don't recall when I did some researching. This may just be a testament to my lack of uh, <laughs> diligence, but I don't recall that story when I kind of when I wrote a blog post. So I'm going to go with Cotton Mather's. It is Cotton Mather. So measles killed three of Cotton Mather's children and his second wife. Mather, a prominent Boston clergyman, would later bring smallpox variolation to the colonies. But in 1713, he wrote in his diary of an approaching measles epidemic. Here's a quote from him. The measles is coming into the town. It is likely to be a time of sickness and much trouble in the families of the neighborhood. End quote. In short order, as the rest of the town suffered, measles infected most of his family members. It killed his wife, his newborn twins, another daughter, and the family's maid within a few weeks. Wow. Yes, that's awful. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. And there's really not great ways of, still not great ways of treating measles. And so we certainly shouldn't lull ourselves into thinking that people thought that measles was just nothing. It's true. All right, here we go. Which mythical creature is related to the development of the HPV vaccine? What? Is it A, unicorns, B, snipes, C, jackalopes, or D, drop bears? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. You know, HPV is doing really well in Australia. Really well in Australia. And what else do they have? Those scary, scary uh, drop bears. So that's the only connection I can think of. Too. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with that one. You're wrong. It's, <gasps> it's actually the jackalope. What? Where? Where are they? Well, I know they're not found because... anywhere. But like, where is that story from? So jackalopes. From America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> oh. Dave Coulier kind of thing. What is this? Oh man. So jackalopes are jackrabbits with antelope horns that are made by taxidermists. I know what they are. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I know. I'm just mad. Well, not... This is coming to play. <laughs> we raise them at our house. What? Yeah. <laughs> what do they have to do with the vaccine? They might be. <laughs> They might be related to references to horned rabbits that go back for centuries and their condition stemmed from papilloma infections that helped researchers discover the human papilloma virus. Okay. <sighs> if you say so. And there Whatever. Are, I'm going to put a link to this also in the I'm, in I'm the giving it to Melody. No, no, no. It's the drop bears. Because it's also... There were ja- jackalopes and nuns helped them. Just as what? much now of a I know you're, you're saying there's nuns involved with HPV vaccine. Now I know you're making stuff up. <laughs> because scientists also noticed that nuns didn't get cervical cancer. Well, okay. <laughs> I can't. Moving on. <laughs> I'm going to prove it in the show notes. You'll all see. <laughs> all right. Nathan, this is our uh, high yes. note. All right. 
How many lives are saved by vaccines each year? Is it A, 7 billion? Is it B, (laughs) 1.71 million? Is it C, negative 10? Or is it D, 3 million? Oh, okay. So it's going to be obviously either 1 point, 1 point what million? 1.71. 1.71 or 3 million. Golly. Okay. So I, I remember when there was like a computer modeling study that estimated about 100 million over, of course, I don't remember how many decades it was. And now I don't remember if that was global or United States. So this doesn't help me at all. Uh, so where are we going with this i'm going nowhere um he's trying to logic his way you're saying worldwide annual deaths prevented right by vaccines i'm I'm gonna go with around three million that's right uh, according to the u.n figures vaccines save up to three million lives a year by protecting children from potentially deadly highly infectious diseases including measles pneumonia cholera and diphtheria hooray okay that's a good thing i lost track (laughs) i think it's a tie yeah i had a couple of lucky guesses and i think that melody gets the drop bears (laughs) it's jackalopes it's not it's it's both. If you both concede it's jackalopes, I'll send you both lapel pins. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> all right. Jackalopes it is. <laughs> Woohoo. Lapel pins all around. Yay. Okay. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us to play, Melody. It was super of fun. Of course. Thank you for all the great questions. Yeah, I'm so. really surprised how well I did. <laughs> I was nervous. Go I was going to say. Stop reading about vaccines and read about presidency of the united states apparently yeah <laughs> you're lucky i just didn't ask about all literature questions so there you go and it's um, not just the presidents you got to know about their kids and their wives and their maids now too like this is right. this is involved yeah. okay we're gonna do this again sometime i'm gonna be the host it's gonna be all pop culture vaccine <laughs> references and we'll see how you do Karen. i'm gonna be terrible <laughs> You know i'm gonna challenge you both though to go to the vaccine education center and find the just the vax uh, trivia quizzes yeah and do the whole things record your scores on those because now you know some of the answers so you know and mm-hmm. and then post them on twitter for everybody so that they can find you oh jeez, okay so, all right no pressure so melody when they're looking for you where can they find you on twitter um so on twitter you can find me at melody butler and also you can find nurses who vaccinate at nurses who vax n-u-r-s-e-s-w-h-o-v-a-x and you can check us out at nurses who vaccinate.org perfect thank you melody it was great having you thank you for having me so much fun Um, And thanks, everybody who joined us, played along, or just listened in. It was great having you, too. My name is Karen Ernst. I am the Executive Director of Voices for Vaccines. You can find us at VoicesForVaccines.org. And I'm Nathan Boonstra. Uh, Find me on Twitter. My handle is at PedsGeekMD. And you can also find me on Facebook or my blog, PedsGeekMD.com. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye.